Welcome to Liberty Lockdown. Please scan your barcode. Your liberty ain't gone, but yeah, it's on hold. Where did it come from and where did it go? What's up, you beautiful Liberty Lockdown family? Clint Russell, I'm back. Took a week off. I, uh, just being honest, I just really wasn't inspired. And I, as you guys know, I only do shows when I'm inspired. But I got I got fired up. I got reinvigorated. Let me tell you why. Uh, Josie, the redhead libertarian, was kind enough to invite myself and Dave Smith onto a Twitter Spaces to debate the Krasenstein brothers on Joe Biden's corruption. Uh, it went about as well as you'd expect. Uh, I think it's fair to call it a steamrolling, but I'll let you decide. <laughs> I, won't, I won't brag too much until you guys get a chance to listen. I'm currently screen recording the audio because I wasn't the host and I don't know how to to download the audio. I don't think it's actually possible if I'm not the host. So I am screen recording it and I'm going to put it out on my RSS feed for Liberty Lockdown. So if you are normally a viewer on YouTube or Rumble or wherever you're watching this, uh, make sure that you go and subscribe to the audio version of Liberty Lockdown. You can find it on any podcatcher. It's uh, it's a hour and a half shellacking, in my humble opinion. And, and you know, what I like to say about it is, uh, you know, God bless our, our regime apologists for being unimpressive, deeply unimpressive human beings. I mean, if you're going to have opponents, why not have them be absolutely terrible? <laughs> They're nice enough guys. Don't get me wrong. I, I'm I, honestly, and God bless them for for being willing, because these guys have gone on IRL. They've done a whole bunch of uh, you know non left media as of late, and it seems as if that's that's going to be their niche. They just go around getting beat up by people who actually uh, are not totally blue pilled, because that's that's really my assessment of these guys. They basically their their perspective is very similar to Destiny's in that. If it's not from the New York Times or the DOJ, it didn't happen. And that's just not reality. I know. Shocking. <laughs> Shocking. But there's still some people out there that believe the FBI. In fact, he, he says, <laughs> I, when the FBI says this, I believe him. And then, and then he goes on to explain what, he, what he's talking about. You're, you're going to love it. Um, so I will get that up very shortly after this episode is posted it was uh it was hilarious it was hilarious i think you guys are gonna love it uh before we get started i wanted to say also if you want to support the show uh, a easy way to do it is to go to fountain it's uh, an app that allows you to send bitcoin and all sorts of other stuff uh it's a really cool uh, podcasting app that allows the listeners to support the the creators uh, so just search for fountain in any of your uh you know, app stores out there and you'll be able to find Liberty Lockdown and subscribe over there. I just wanted to plug them because I feel like uh, they're creating the decentralized platforms uh, that that we need. And I think that it would be cool if we could get, show them a little love if you're a Bitcoiner or even if you're not and you want to, you know, start to get into it. The Fountain app is a really cool way to do that. And I'll, I'll link down below so you can check it out. Without further ado, let's get into the episode. So, I wanted to talk a little bit about the hearings of Ray, FBI Director Christopher Ray. He was on Capitol Hill all day yesterday, and the GOP dutifully beat him to oblivion. And I appreciated it. Uh, it's not enough. It's a start. It is by no means enough. And let, let's just run down briefly some of their indiscretions. Uh, I'm going to do this all top of the head. So 
I may forget some things because they've had a whole hell of a lot. They are responsible. The FBI is responsible for sending letters, anonymous letters to Martin Luther King Jr., where they encouraged him to commit uh, <laughs> grievous self-harm, to put it mildly, to try and be safe on YouTube. Um, they also very probably, very probably had involvement in the assassinations of RFK uh, Sr. and Martin Luther King Jr. and JFK and uh, Fred Hampton and a bunch of civil rights activists and leaders. Uh, God knows the other people that we won't ever know the name of. Uh, they had, we, we have recent disclosures that they they had some of the 9-11 hijackers were on their, they were in in their operation in some form or fashion. I'm not going to get into details because I don't want to run afoul of uh, YouTube guidelines, but I also don't know the truth there. It's an interesting uh, entry into the whole conspiracy that goes into that. And I'm just being honest with you, I'm, I'm undecided. I don't know. I Like, I know that the official narrative is not correct, but I'm really not certain as to the the truth at the end of the day as to all of the actors that were involved. I think it was, it was unfortunately multiple uh, nation state actors that were involved in that attack uh, and not all of the Muslim variety. Hint, hint. <laughs> uh, let's see. They also spied on t uh, parents at, uh, at parent, you know, PTA meetings or whatever you want to call them, uh, you know, school board meetings. Like what? They spied on them when they were upset about a uh, transgender uh, student who was responsible for allegedly sexually assaulting a student and then getting transferred to another school where they did it again. Uh, that uh, enraged a father who was then arrested and the FBI was uh, not just looking after him or, or spying on him because that's really what it is, uh, but also investigating uh, a number of parents that were concerned about the mask mandates and, you know, bodily autonomy for kids. I still don't know what I'm allowed to say about that. Um, the list goes on and on in terms of what they, what they did in terms of, uh, you know, cracking down on anyone opposed to the insanity of 2020 and 2021. The list continues. Here we go. Uh, we got the, uh, the Biden laptop, which was in the possession of the FBI in, I believe it was mid no, it was actually early 2019. And then right before the election, uh, they allowed the, you know, if you recall the, the 50 uh, former or retired, you know, CIA and FBI agents that came out and signed that letter stating that the uh, Hunter Biden's laptop had all the hallmarks of Russian dis disinformation. That was a lie. In fact, it could have been verified in that very moment by the FBI as to the information that was being reported on by the New York Post as to whether or not it was legitimate because they had in their possession the actual laptop, whereas the hard drive that had been given to Rudy Giuliani and traveled all over the world, uh, like that's that's irrelevant like if you don't if you think that there's a chance that some of that information is false or planted by russia as they were alleging in that bullshit letter well you could actually verify that very very rapidly given that you have hunter's laptop right could have done that they didn't and uh and we now know that laptop to be real so oops nothing like uh you know interfering with democratic process no big deal <laughs> Jesus Christ. The list continues. 
they also are responsible for uh, the guidance. Let's put it nicely on on you know what they wanted to what topics narratives they wanted to see censored when it came to uh, the well the entire COVID era as you guys probably half of you have been permanently banned from Twitter because of that that period. Uh, it was absolutely horrific and horrendous. I don't know how I made it through it, just by the grace of God, to be honest. Uh, I, I coded everything I had to say. But we now know that, in fact, the FBI was sitting down and having weekly meetings with the heads of every major big tech platform out there. Weekly. Weekly meetings. Which, by the way, the Krasenstein brothers don't find to be a clear First Amendment violation. Just a gray area First Amendment violation, not not a clear one. So I guess it's no big deal. I don't know. Um, they did say they oppose it, which I guess is good. But uh, yeah, I'd say that's pretty pretty damn clear. It, it's really remarkable because it's like, are, do you expect them to say it explicitly? Like, hey, if you don't delete these accounts, then we're going to regulate you into oblivion. Perhaps we'll nationalize your business. No, no, they're not going to say that. They're going to hint at that. And then you're going to do what you're supposed to do because you don't want to risk them doing that to you. And that's what happened. It's crystal clear that's what happened. It was coercive pressure as opposed to overt force. Doesn't change the fact that that's a First Amendment violation, as I've discussed with Judge Napolitano in the past. Uh, so I don't think that that excuses their behavior. In fact, uh, in some ways, it infuriates me more deeply because they were obfuscating their... Uh, dismissal of the Bill of Rights. And I don't appreciate that as someone who appreciates the Bill of Rights. Yeah, didn't like that. Not one bit. And then just this morning came out that, in fact, the FBI was also advising Big Tech on some accounts and narratives that should be suppressed when it uh, came to the war in Ukraine. So we now have the potential that the FBI was censoring the American people to craft a narrative as to the, uh, the war in Ukraine and the potential for World War III. Oops, no big deal, I guess. Uh, they're also responsible if you want to go in the Wayback Machine and after World War I or during World War I, when they were uh, investigating and as far as I know, imprisoning some anti-war activists at the time. I'd have to freshen up on that history to speak to it intelligently, but uh, I have read that in the past, and yeah, it's uh, from their inception. Their entire modus operandi has been to circumvent and ignore, if not egregiously violate, the Bill of Rights in the Constitution, which I might add, I would imagine, in fact, I'm almost certain, they take an oath to. Oops again, I guess. Just an oops. Just a bunch, just a litany of oopses. Nothing, nothing to see here. Just a whole bunch of oopses. Well, in my humble opinion, after you oops enough, you gots to go. Simple as that. You oops too much, Christopher Ray. You oopsed too much, FBI. And it, let me be clear, too. I am not like an ACAB guy. I think that anytime you get into collectivist labeling, it's a mistake. Because, like, obviously there's some really good people that get involved in law enforcement. Just as if there was an anarcho-capitalist civilization, you would have some sort of private, I don't know if it would be called law enforcement, but you know what I'm saying. There would still be people that would be tasked with keeping the peace. 
or, you know, prosecuting or, or settling property disputes, things of that nature. Um, so I don't believe for a second that everyone in the FBI is a monster or, or police for that matter. I think that the system, the system broadly is corrupt to its core. So you can't like, even if you're a good person in that system, you're still not going to be able to behave in alignment with your character. Not all the time, some of the time, sure, but not all the time. And that's sad. And when you have an organization that ultimately is the highest policing force in America, in the land, and their, their operating guidelines are contrary to that, which I'm willing to live under and, and not just myself, but former, or actually, I guess they're technically current, but the FBI whistleblowers, Steve Friend and Kyle Serafin, both of which have been on Liberty Lockdown, God bless them. I think they're patriotic heroic human beings. And you know, it's tough for me to say that about FBI agents, but that's how I feel about those guys. After talking to them at length and following them on Twitter for a long time, I think they're true blue. I think they're serious about what they, what they believe in and their belief system is extraordinarily similar to mine and God bless them. And we need more heroic uh, people like that, that are willing to sacrifice everything to stand up and speak out. And they have done it and they have sacrificed a lot. So I'm not an ACAB guy. I don't believe that everybody that's involved in the FBI is bad. So if you're an FBI agent listening to this, hi, uh, you've been spying on me for years, I'm sure. But I don't necessarily think you're a bad guy. I think what you're doing is bad, though. I think if you're, especially if you're spying on me, fuck you, dude. What's, what's, what's wrong with you? I'm such a peaceful, nice guy. How dare you? Um, <laughs> uh, but I think that... It, it's incumbent upon people who actually do have uh, you know, a value system that is close to mine, that believe that it's improper, in fact, unconstitutional to censor the American people or try and disarm them because those are 1A and 2A violations. Well, it's just basically impossible for you to work for the ATF or the FBI, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I believe that bodily autonomy is, is paramount. So if I want to take a substance that's illegal and you want to prosecute me for that, even though I'm harming nobody, I think what you're doing is immoral. Doesn't mean you're a bad person, but what you're doing to me is terrible. Now, granted, I don't use drugs, but if I were to, and you were to put me at the threat of violence behind bars, well, that's not okay. Now, you may go home to your kids and you may be a patriotic, red-blooded American and you may love the Second Amendment and everything else, but if you're putting otherwise harmless people behind bars in a cage for years and years for ingesting a substance which has been prohibited for whatever reason, even though you can take, you can get high every day, all day legally, just by going to your doctor and getting prescribed something or going to the, uh, you know, liquor store or whatever, the list of over-the-counter drugs that you can get high as a kite off of, it's, it's limitless. But there's like these seven or eight drugs that are just woo, so, so dangerous and we, you know, just pure evil and you have to be put in a cage to keep yourself safe. I don't agree with that. I think it's totally immoral. Now, if you're on those drugs and you harm somebody, different story. And obviously you should be uh, dealt with accordingly, but that's not what we're talking about here. There's thousands, if not millions, uh, hundreds of thousands. I don't know if it's millions, but um, of nonviolent drug offenders that are behind bars. If you're an FBI agent, DEA agent, cop that has put people away for years for otherwise victimless crimes, I don't think that you're 
living in accordance with your value system if you're a good person and if you enjoyed it well then you're just a fucking asshole you should be ashamed and if you're responsible for oh i forgot fbi is also responsible for russian collusion yeah that entire narrative total whole cloth fiction they lied to the fisa court uh, that agent was, in fact, then put in charge of covering up the Hunter Biden laptop story. And then only and then only then, even though he was being investigated for the corruption of lying to the FISA court, he was finally suspended, just suspended. He was responsible for an attempted coup against a sitting president. Now, feel however you want to feel about Donald Trump, but I would like to see my presidents put in prison for the actual crimes they commit and not deep state coup attempts which is what actually occurred to Donald Trump. That guy was then put in charge of the Hunter Biden investigation and uh, his punishment was to be suspended. And Christopher Ray was asked about that this week. And we're gonna get into some of those highlights right now. Jim Jordan's always good for a couple clips here and there. Let's check him out. Ray, did the FBI ask financial institutions to turn over their customers? You have the time to me. Did the FBI ask financial institutions to turn over their customers' debit and credit card purchase history in the Washington, D.C. area for January 5th and 6th, 2021? Uh, I don't know the answer to that as I sit here right now. Well, we do, because Bank of America gave us this email from the FBI to Bank of America. Well, <laughs> I am aware that Bank of America provided information to the FBI, but what communications occurred between the FBI and Bank of America about it? Let's read it. To recap our morning call, Are you? we are prepared to action the following threshold. Customers transacting debit card, credit card, Washington, D.C. purchases between 1521-1621. That's scary enough. But then the next bullet point's even more scary. Any, any historical, capital letters, all capitals, any historical purchase of a firearm. You guys asked financial, it's at least Bank of America, we think more Did you guys ask him? Again, I don't have the full sequence of the back and forth. You've got one, looks like you've got one email that I haven't seen before here. Um, so I don't know that I have the full exchange that this well, Does this email trouble of... you as much as it does members of the Judiciary Committee? That the FBI is asking for every single, I mean, we had members of Congress here that week, first time they're getting sworn in as a new member of Congress, their family in town, and you're sweeping, and they may happen to be a customer of Bank of America, and you're sweeping up every debit and credit card purchase of their family who were in town that week because their, their husband or their dad or their mom is getting sworn in as a new member of Congress? And then you're also saying, overlaying that information with, did, you, did this person buy a firearm? And the question is? I'm just nervous about that. Are you nervous about that? As, as I think I've testified before, my understanding is that our engagement with Bank of America uh, was fully lawful, but that we recalled the leads that were cut to field well, If it's office. lawful, that's, that was my next point. If it's yeah. lawful, why did you say we're not going to use these leads? That's what Mr. Jensen testified to when we deposed him, the director of the terrorism unit at, at, at the FBI. That's what he testified to. Why did, you, why did you not use the leads if it was lawful to get the information? Well, there are Chairman, plenty of, one minute and 18 seconds over time. There, there are, sir, there are plenty of times where there are things that we lawfully can do, but that we decide is better that we not do. And yeah, I think that's what the happened. The idea there. that Mr. Massey said earlier, that, I, that this is lawful, that you can ask this is scary. This is something else we're going to have to change. No kidding, Jim. Jesus Christ. Uh, so yeah, caught red handed, hand in the cookie jar. Uh, you know, look, 
I, I, maybe I just don't understand what is supposed to be legal or illegal in this country. Because as far as I'm concerned, the FBI, the head police force in America, requesting of a quote-unquote private business, which allegedly Bank of America is, for all records of any firearm purchases for anyone that was in D.C. from January 5th to January 6th is fucking crazy. Did I say illegal? No, I didn't. Because apparently the legal system doesn't have any semblance of my belief system, tragically. But should it be? Oh, yeah. Fuck yes, it should be illegal. My God, should it be illegal. Under what? I mean, a blanket request of a financial institution. Just all of them. All of your customers. How could you possibly, how could that be legal? How could you possibly have a subpoena which covers everyone that banks with Bank of America that was in a particular area at a particular time? What the fuck is that? What happened to due process? What happened to, you know, illegal search and seizure? What, like, what happened to privacy? What happened to privacy in this country? My God, what happened to it? Just gone. And he sits up there and he's like, yeah, yeah, maybe it's not illegal, but we didn't, you know, we didn't use them. So I guess it's no big deal. No, it is a big deal, motherfucker. It's actually a huge deal. You have the power of the state, not just a state, the biggest state in human history, violent, a violent institution. And you believe that you should have the right to not just know my private information, which is violative in its own own you know own way but whether or not i own a firearm a law but the second amendment which states that you shall make no laws abridging that right or violating it come on what the fuck you think that you have the right to that information i respectfully no i disrespectfully disagree actually because i don't respect you you take an oath to the constitution what happened to you what happened to all of these people? Do you want to live under a police state? Imagine for a second that you get out of power or God forbid Donald Trump gets power again and he realizes you fucking railroaded him and now he has the full might of the state to come down after his political enemies. Do you want to live in a country where he can have your private institutions, your private banking institutions be just inquired via email as to all of their customers that purchased a firearm and then that information is delivered to Donald Trump's desk. Does it disturb you at all? Like set the Trump shit aside. I don't want any of these motherfuckers having that, having access to that information. And for the life of me, I don't know why this is just congressional testimony. Why aren't they on trial? Put these people on trial. They're violating the Bill of Rights in a way that is so egregious. But on top of that, to inquire about, I mean, to coerce, oh, no, 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 let's just take it back. Say that, say that Bank of America did it without a subpoena and they just turn it over voluntarily. Well, then you go to jail. I'm sure in our, in, in, I mean, I have to research it obviously, but 
If in your terms of service it says, we can voluntarily give your private financial information, including transactions, purchase history, everything, and we can just turn that over to law enforcement without a legal justification, just a blanket fucking email, well then, you go to jail. <laughs> Someone goes to jail. If it's not Ray, then it's the fucking BOA, BOA uh, CEO. Someone has to go. And it ain't going to be me. Because I didn't do anything wrong. I'm allowed to own firearms in this country. God damn it. Period. You do not get to have a say. You don't get to know when I bought it. You don't get to know how much I paid for it. If I don't harm somebody, you don't get to take them or know anything the fuck about it. Period. Nothing. Whew. Crazy. Next up, Congressman Daryl Issa, my former congressman. Never voted for him, but... Uh, Decent line of questioning here. Here we go. Uh, on things like where where COVID came from, where do you find the national security interest in that? Where, where do you find the interest in free speech of American citizens being taken down? And I repeat, free speech of American citizens. Where, where do you have that authority? So we don't uh, ask social media companies uh, to censor information or suppress information uh, when it comes to national security threats, certainly. Uh, so what we do do is alert them when some other intelligence agency gives us information about a foreign intelligence service being behind some account, we will call social media companies' attention to that. But at the end of the day, we're very clear that it's up to the social media companies to decide whether to do something about it The suggestion it not, of the most powerful law enforcement operation is not a suggestion. It is, in fact, effectively in order. Mr. Chairman, I yield back. That's that's a fact, folks. Sorry to break it to you, but uh, you don't you don't get to have the power of the state behind you and just politely email and have meetings every fucking week with every big tech platform, and uh, and that just constitutes a, a polite nudging, a polite inquiry. No, 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 no. That's not how it works, Ray. You liar. But I think it's it, it's important to note that the reason he's unwilling to acknowledge. Uh, any sort or the reason he's very clear to delineate how they are sending those messages is that he says very explicitly we do not instruct them to remove them at threat of you know prosecution or violence uh, because he knows he knows that they're circumventing the bill of rights he knows now i still think even doing it like that is unconstitutional and ultimately a 1a violation but setting it aside, because legality is kind of out the window because we function under a corrupt state at this point, it's corrupt and it's wrong and it's evil. And who really gives a fuck if it's illegal? It's wrong. It has to stop. It has to stop. And it should have never happened in the first place. But I think it's, it's very important that everyone listening to that realize that he knows what they're doing is wrong. That's why he has to make it very clear that they're not telling them what to do. It's ultimately up to them. Now, it's ultimately up to them under the threat of being nationalized or being investigated. <sighs> yeah, tricky things, those facts. But that's the course of nature of what they've been doing to try and get censorship implemented without them running afoul very blatantly of the First Amendment. But instead doing it in a surreptitious fashion. Scumbags. Next up, Congressman Tiffany. Not familiar, but uh, let's see what he has to say. 
Did Joe Biden take uh, payments from Burisma or any other foreign companies as vice president, president, or private citizen Biden? Uh, as you may know, there is an ongoing investigation being led by the U.S. attorney in Delaware, Mr. Weiss, appointed uh, by President Trump in the last administration that our Baltimore field office is working with. And I would refer you to, to him as to what, if anything, can be shared. So the president is under, um, he is under um, investigation. I'm not going to confirm or speak to who is or isn't under investigation for what. I'm simply going so to tell So he's not you, under investigation? I didn't say that either. Uh, by longstanding department policy and practice, I'm I'll, not going to be confirming or denying I'll who is or isn't under investigation. I thought that was newsworthy. Uh, it implies that he's probably being or being investigated, and this is something that I've I've really come to despise about the way our system functions, is that the corrupt nature of our political apparatus is that they usually serve. I mean, lately there's been a lot of politicians that have been doing 30, 40 year stints, but. Uh, I think a more a healthier system is usually a turnover, maybe eight or 12 years, and then people move on with their fucking lives because they're not leeches on the system. That's not the system we function in. But the problem is that as they stay, as their tenure grows deeper, as they get into year 20 or 25 or 30 or 50, like Joe Biden, um, they get closer to the end of their career. And their corruption, well, blatant, but not necessarily provable because you have the DOJ and the FBI that's working actively to keep them safe. We only really get clarity as to the corruption and the depth of it when these people are out of power. Big problem, right? Big problem if people are not ultimately held to account and removed from power and decision-making when it matters. Because let's be honest, would it be nice to see a bunch of retired politicians go to prison? Yeah, it'd make me feel good. Give me the warm and tinglys, the fuzzies, if you will. But does it change anything? Not a lot. Because they still get to have their reign of terror of 40 or 50 fucking years where they are running afoul of our constitutional rights and nothing happens to them. Nothing changes. Nothing prevents it from actually affecting our lives. Now, it, it might serve to dissuade some current politician of being egregiously uh, you know, violative of the Constitution if they see one of their predecessors go to prison for the rest of their lives. But that doesn't even happen. Like, that, that would be a nice start. But what would be really progress, what would make some real change in our day-to-day -day lives would be to see people who are in political office that are violating the Constitution go to jail immediately. I mean, after a trial, of course. I'm not... I'm not a dictator. I'm not a tyrant here. But like, if you violate the thing you swear an oath to, I don't think it's adequate to just have to, you know, most of them don't even have to get out of power. But I mean, that would be nice too. But like, I want to go all the way back to the beginning. Because keep in mind, I was a fiduciary for my investors. If I were to, you know, defraud them, if I were to do something that wasn't to their best interest, well, then I, I go to jail. Or at, at very minimum, I have you know civil liability where I, I have to pay God knows how much money. Like these these are meaningful declarations where like it's serious. It's not just you know lip service. I mean it. I'm here to try and look after your best interests in front of my own. Well, as a politician, that should be the same 
structure. That should be the same litmus test, the same promise to the voter that if if I put you into power and you swear an oath to uphold and defend the Constitution of the United States of America, well, if you don't, you're at least civilly liable. And I would like to see criminal liability because if we don't see these people, like the governors, for instance, that ran afoul of the Constitution repeatedly, or the Biden administration, which ran afoul of the Constitution, the Supreme Court fortunately upheld it when it came to the vaccine mandates for any business that was over uh, 100 employees. Clearly unconstitutional, and thank God, thank fucking God, we have a Supreme Court that was willing to acknowledge that in a relatively short amount of time. Very rare, though. That's not usually what happens. And my point is, I would like to see them actually imprisoned when they do this because it's not okay. It's not okay to just pass a law and then we have to live under it for God knows how many years. And then the Supreme court maybe rules in the right direction. And then nothing happens to you. How is that at all prohibitive? How does that prevent them from trying the next chicanery? It doesn't. And we've seen that quite clearly. And unfortunately, the voters are so fucking stupid, they don't even vote them out when they violate the Constitution egregiously, and the Supreme Court says as much. And they still cast votes for these people. The fucking Krasenstein said they would absolutely, without a second thought, vote for Joe Biden again. What the fuck? Does it matter to the voter? No, it doesn't. So I need something else. I need some other preventative care that is actually going to uh, uphold and defend my fucking rights, okay? That's what I need. And we're so far away from that. I don't know how, I don't know how we ever get like, basically what I'm describing is we don't have the proper incentive structure for human behavior in our political apparatus. We don't. It's so, it's so detached from how people actually function. It's essentially worthless. Like you have to have culpability and ultimately punishment. If you go against your oath, this is not, this is not some far-fetched stance. As I said, as a fiduciary, if I violated it, Big, big problems. You know, if you're a medical professional, you, you also take an oath. If you violate it, you can get disbarred or whatever it's called. Have your license taken away from the medical board. Lawyers, same thing. The list goes on and on. But politicians, they can just violate the Constitution and maybe they have to resign. <laughs> like, that's not okay. Oh, no, no, no. But they get to resign and then get a fucking $10 million job sitting on the board for Goldman Sachs or Halliburton. Is that a punishment? No, the fuck it isn't. All of the incentive is to be a corrupt piece of shit. All of it. There's no incentive to be a good person other than having some semblance of moral character, which unfortunately our political class has none. They have not a fucking shred, not a fiber of ethics, of belief in something bigger than their own self-interest. They're fucking monstrous human beings. Monstrous. Setting aside Thomas Massey. <laughs> I always got to do that. But man... Do we need some fucking people that actually believe in something bigger than themselves? I swear to God. Disturbing. All right, let's continue on. This is uh, Joe Biden's chair of the FTC, Mrs. Khan. As you might know, the FTC's work on Twitter goes back a decade, back in 2009. I'm not talking about a decade. I'm talking about now. Back 12 in demand letters in 10 weeks, 300, over 350 separate request you've demanded of Twitter? Why are you harassing them? Twitter has a history of lax security and privacy policies. 
You've asked for every single communication relating to Elon Musk, not communications that he just sent to someone or some or communications he received, but any time he's mentioned. That that actually seems more, actually more than harassment. That seems like almost an obsession. Why why the why why such an intense focus? So, Congressman, again, it was. <laughs> it sounded like he was going to say, "Why the fuck are you doing that?" Found that Twitter's lax privacy policies allowed unauthorized users to co-opt Twitter accounts, including that of Fox News. Subsequently, Twitter voluntarily entered into a consent order with the FTC. Here's, here's what you wrote in December, found- Madam Chair. Here's what you wrote in December. Identify all journalists and other members of the media to whom Twitter has granted access since Musk bought the company. You want to know the name of every journalist a private company has talked to? Think that's consistent with the First Amendment? Congressman, as a former journalist, I take extremely seriously the valuable work that they do and understand no, you don't. there can be instances in which government action is unjustified. Particularly, Madam Chair, if I, could, if I could just interject, particularly in the context here. I mean, it's bad enough if you got government asking a private company about who are the journalists you're talking to. You name four of them and say, we want the other names of any journalists you may, in fact, be communicating with. That's bad enough. And I think a threat to the First Amendment freedom of the press. But in the context of giving us information about how government had suppressed speech on these platforms, that's the context you're asking for. I think that's particularly troubling, don't you? Congressman, the consent decree that we have prohibits Twitter from sharing personal information with third parties. When we read in the papers, like everybody else, yeah, as if they can't unmask any account that they want to. Come on. Else that Twitter may have granted access to third parties. That's what our teams were seeking information about. Again, this is a company whose history with the FTC Madam, goes Madam back Chair, a decade. Uh, we, we got limited time. Madam, Madam Chair, who is uh, David Roke? Could you repeat that, Congressman? David Roke, R-O-Q-U-E. Who is David Roke? I'm not familiar with You that. deposed him last month, June 21st, 2023. David Roke is the independent partner for Ernst & Young's independent assessment of Twitter's program. That's part of this consent decree. Um, you know what Mr. Roke said in that deposition? I'm not aware. Okay, let me read it for you then, because I think it's pretty important. Mr. Roke testified, again, one of your lawyers, you deposed him, testified that FTC's conduct made him feel as if the FTC was trying to influence the outcome of the engagement before it had started. He said, in some of the discussions that we were having with the Federal Trade Commission, expectations were being conveyed about what those results should be before we had even begun any procedures. So they're the independent assessor in this consent decree the FTC has with Twitter, and you're telling the guy who is the, the person. He's the guy. He's Joe, the accountant, who's going to get this information. You're telling him, you're putting your finger on the scale, telling him what you want the outcome to be, and he's supposed to be the independent fact finder. Why are you doing that? Congressman, I'm not familiar with those. Because we've just filed today, but we are. This is filed in court today, and this is your deposition. I'm happy. So damning. Let me let me interject briefly with uh, this is from the uh, Ernst Young guy who said that uh, Joe Biden's FTC wanted Ernst Young to punish Elon Musk's Twitter if they didn't. Ernst Young feared they would be retaliated against by the government. Continues on. The FTC was so adamant with EY Ernst Young, conveying that this is absolutely what you will do and this is going to occur and you'll produce a report at the end of the day. End quote. That would be negative about Twitter. That senior. EY leaders feared that if EY resigned as the independent assessor, quote, the FTC would take exception to EY's withdrawal and create other 
square, scare quotes, other challenges for EY over time. This is the coercive uh, pressure that I've been talking about. Let's wrap this video. Happy to take a closer look at it and be back in touch. I will say as a general matter, we want to make sure that the assessors and auditors that are responsible for overseeing compliance are doing their job. You say Mr. Roke's line, what he testified here, what's been filed in court today, that there were suggestions of what they would expect the outcome to be, they being the FTC, there were suggestions of what they wanted him to go find in his independent assessment of the consent degree agreement, uh, 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 agreement between the FTC and Twitter. Again, I'm happy to take a close look and we can be back in touch with you about that allegation, but our staff are consummate professionals. Uh, when they conduct these investigations, they're focused on determining did you go after, whether there did was you a go after, Did you go after, is your uh, uh, attack on Twitter, harassment on Twitter, is that based on, on the fact that all kinds of Democrats have asked you to do this and frankly some things that you've written about dealing with, quote, disinformation? Does that have anything to do with it, Ms. Khan? Congressman, we make only independent determinations about whether there were law violations. Um, the statements from Chairman Nadler, the statements from uh, the, the letter, the press release in the letter from seven Democrat senators that had no impact on that's not why you're doing it? Absolutely not. We look very closely at the specific matter at hand. Again, 12 demand letters in 10 weeks telling the independent assessor, hey, put your finger on the scale. This is the results we want. That's, that's, that's not harassment. And it had nothing to do with the fact that every Democrat in this town seemed to be telling you to go after Twitter. Our focus is on protecting people's privacy and security. Uh, Twitter has sensitive data on 150 million Americans, including private messages. We need to make sure, especially given its history going all the way back to 2010, we're doing everything to make sure Twitter is complying with the order. That's fine. Don't put your finger on the scale and don't attack the First Amendment and the rights of journalists. Mr. Chairman, that, I, 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 yield, I yield back. Man, that is scary stuff. So this is the coercive pressure the kind of uh, veiled threats that exist where it's like are they saying it explicitly no but the reason i really wanted to to emphasize that particular video is that this is no longer limited to the fbi and maybe it never was <laughs> to be honest i don't know um but it's became during the 2020 period very egregious where a litany Nearly every three-letter agency I can think of off the top of my head has been instructing social media, the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, responsible for overlooking consumer rights. They're instructing Ernst and Young on how they should cover Twitter post Elon Musk's acquisition. You don't think that's fucking weird? I think it's real weird. How about the CDC? How about the DHS? How about the DEA? How about the FBI? How about the CIA? You think the FBI and the CIA are the only ones doing it? You're goddamn wrong. <laughs> it's it's almost every three-letter agency. And you know what that what that's uh, symbolic of? What it's symptomatic of? Is that the rot is at the top. Because it has now trickled down to all of the three-letter institutions. So that tells you everything you need to know about oversight. About the checks and balances. About how this government is actually functioning. In that it isn't. It's not functioning, not to our benefit. That's <laughs> for sure. Um, you need to have some sort, I mean, obviously we're all about the bottom up approach to, to trying to get reform done, but man, do we need someone at the top that could actually, I mean, or, or some sort of congressional movement or some sort of presidential, you know, heroic figure that, that rides in 
uh, out of the blue and, and saves the day. Cause I don't know how the hell we get out of this. Otherwise it's, it's really scary. It's really scary. I mean, if you have, it's not just the FBI, my God, it's not just the FBI. I'm not, I'm not exaggerating guys. You can go through and look. I, I read every single Twitter leaks for that entire year that they were, they were coming out and it was like, or six months or whatever it was. It was like, Every three-letter agency was instructing social media on their particular story that they wanted to be sculpted and, and molded and the narrative had to be set for their own benefit. CDC, you have medical alleged medical institutions that are violating the First Amendment, violating speech rights. Now it comes out that they're going to Ernst & Young, yet another private business that's being coerced, keeping in mind that Twitter is being coerced via the FTC's coercion of Ernst & Young. They're putting, this is the punishment. This is the pressure. This is how they do it. They don't actually say it explicitly. They just apply pressure on you. And because Elon Musk took the company private and they're struggling to apply pressure, even though they've attempted to by getting rid of almost all of his advertisers through ESG and all this other bullshit, that's, that's not enough either, because after that, he still hasn't caved. He still hasn't started to just flatly ban based off of their explicit instructions. So what do they do next? Well, then they use their coercive pressure on some sort of accounting or some sort of uh, you know money management firm to, to try and badmouth him and beat up his fucking company that direction. Do you see how it works? Do you see what they're capable of? And they don't even fucking care. They just sit up there and lie through their teeth. And if you're in the FBI, well, then you could just lie and say, oh, I don't comment on active investigations. No big deal. Who cares? Sure, we're fucking violating the entire Bill of Rights. <laughs> what do you know? That's what we do. Fuck. Scary stuff. Disturbing. And I'm of the opinion, if you don't prosecute, if you don't go after these people for doing what they're doing, it's not enough to resign and go get a fucking seven-figure gig sitting on some board doing nothing like Hunter Biden did on countless corporations' payrolls as he fucking leveraged his political relationship to his father. The guy's just a fucking crackhead. He didn't have any fucking skill set. He didn't have anything to actually offer them aside from the fact that Joe Biden was the basically the U.S. top U.S. representative to the country of Ukraine, to the nation of Ukraine. And what does that get them? Well, got them a lot, didn't it? As Joe Biden famously said, well, son of a bitch, he was fired. Because that's the kind of pressure that they're able to apply. A billion dollars of aid, that was his leverage. This is the same, this is the modus operandi. And what does it remind you of? Well, if you're thinking critically, it should remind you of the mafia. That's how the fucking mafia functions. They don't necessarily go, you know, it'd be a shame if your business, uh, you know, took a spill, <laughs> you know, like they don't, they don't have to, they don't have to make it explicit because they don't want to be, they don't want to run afoul of the, of the law. They just say it without saying it. That's what the entire federal government's doing. All of the three letter agencies and they all support each other in their own, you know, chicanery. It's fucking evil. It's evil. I feel like I'm going crazy. Why does no one care? Why don't people care? It's so, it's so disturbing. And you have all of these three-letter agencies that are all fucking working in tandem to, to mold narrative? What? Am I taking fucking crazy pills? Why is this okay? Do you want the federal government molding narratives? 
I mean, it was it was bad enough when you just had the FBI and the CIA, CIA that was feeding news stories to the New York Times to justify the war in Iraq. No, no, no. It's way worse than that because no one's actually paying attention to those fucking old rags anymore. So now it, the, the real, you know, uh, news circulation is through social media. It's through independent people like, you know, myself and Jimmy Dore and Dave Smith and all these people. That's now they, they can't control that narrative. So what do they do? They try and go... They backdoor it and they use their leverage to pressure the big tech companies to deplatform people like me. And that and that coercive pressure where I'm afraid of saying something that runs afoul of the censorship folks forces me to curtail my speech. You see the chilling effect? And it's top the fuck down. It's all the way from the top down. Not okay. Not okay. Actually, I have two quick topics that I'm going to cover uh, at the end here, but I'll, I'll, I'll recap the FBI coverage that I wanted to, to give you guys today. Um, as I said, the hearings are great, man. I love I love you know Jim Jordan and these people that get up there and they browbeat and they embarrass uh, these bureaucrats. It's fucking it's tremendous. It it feels good, but you know what would feel better if I wasn't being spied on by the FBI, if I wasn't being censored by the FBI or the FTC or DHS or the CDC, the, probably the DOE. <laughs> I mean, like, I don't, it's, it's easier to list three letter agencies that aren't trying to censor me than it is to fucking list ones that are. That's insane. This is the land of the free. This is America. What the fuck? It feels as if we live under communism, for real. Like, it's getting to that point. I know people always, especially right-wingers, they are so afraid of becoming China. Bitch, we are China. What the fuck is the difference? We get to cast a vote? It feels like maybe there's a little bit of political leverage? I don't know. All I get is, uh, you know, a good browbeating from Jim Jordan after you fucking brutally violated my constitutional rights for years, decades. And that's what I get. Not enough. Not the. F not nearly enough. I need real punishment to these people. And if you're not willing to do it, then I'm going to put somebody else in power that will. Because that's how it works. Y'all have to fucking wake up. It's not enough. It's not enough to just say, well, that was pretty fucked up, wasn't it? They're still doing it. And they're doing worse shit now and shit you won't even know about for years. And that's how it's always been. You had COINTELPRO and all these other ops that the, the FBI and the CIA have been running for fucking ever. And, and we always, we always seem to think that in modernity, well, that, thank God that shit's not happening more. Well, guess what? It is and new shit that you don't even know about and you won't know about for a decade. That's happening now too. And by the time you fucking hear about that, well, they'll be doing some other evil shit. And until these institutions are gone, that's how it will be forever until we implode. Until they completely stop with the charade of pretending as if we have a Bill of Rights. That we have the right to own a gun, or speak freely, or congregate, or open a business, or any of it. They don't fucking believe in any of it. Everything they do is about circumventing it. People want to say, oh, how would we function without the FBI? Who, who would go after human traffickers? Oh, the Epstein case. Well, did they fucking stop that? Or did they cover that up too? So what's their value? Oh, you couldn't deal with interstate, you know, felonies like that if you didn't have the FBI. Well, they don't fucking deal with it. So fuck them. Get rid of them. They aren't doing it. So where's their value? Oh, so they sometimes they catch a bank robber. I don't really give a fuck. That's not enough. That's not enough to offset the egregious 
just the perilous nature of their existence. They are prepared to violate every right you have. Due process, privacy, gun rights, speech rights. They don't give a fuck about any of it. None of it. And I should just, uh, like, I should just be fucking satiated by the fact that Jim Jordan gave him a good tongue lashing? No. Not enough. Need more. Give more. Abolish them. And as far as I'm concerned, if you're a presidential candidate of any variety and you're not running on that, I don't trust you. You don't recognize the fucking clear and present danger that is the FBI. You clearly aren't awake or you're in on it. Either way, fuck off. Not interested. Vivek, RFK. Those are the two guys. Those are the two candidates that seem to be talking, Vivek, excuse me, seem to be talking seriously about abolishing the FBI. And Vivek doesn't stop there. He lists a lot of other, you know, three-letter agencies he wants to do away with. And God bless him. I wish he wasn't so pro-war on Mexico. I'm going to be having him on next week. We're going to hash it out. But man, man, if you ain't running on that, get fucked. I ain't interested. Kick rocks, homeboy. And that includes you, Trump. No one should have more incentive than you and RFK to go directly at the heart of the FBI and to abolish that evil institution. No other two people. His fucking father and his uncle were assassinated by them. And you correctly believe that the FBI was responsible for the Russian collusion case and also the cover-up of Hunter Biden's chicanery along with Joe Biden's participation therein. So if you ain't running on abolishing them, kick rocks. Get fucking serious. We don't have much time left. It's not enough to just talk about it. It's not enough to get a couple sound bites here and there. We need action. Get them gone. Thank you. Wrap with this is from uh, Hilo Procurement on Twitter. He says, uh, Don, he says, this is going to take a, a decent amount of explanation to cover all the points. In short, the question is, what does this mean in relation to this executive order? The executive order is... Uh, Oh, he goes on. He says, first off, when you enlist in the U.S. military, the contract is eight years long. Most people think of it as four, but it's four years active duty and four years inactive ready reserve, IRR. The IRR means that the U.S. military can call you up at any time and say back to active duty. This has happened plenty of times in the past. Not all of them are or were a big deal. Prime example, when I deployed a bunch of force recon guys were called out of IRR to augment the deployment. That was for the siege of Marja. I assume that's Iraq or Afghanistan. I think it's Iraq. Uh, this also happened on 9-12, Vietnam, etc. So moments of severe crisis is when they have low troops and they need to get more. That's my commentary, not his. Continuing with this. This should only happen at a time when the military is in great need of personnel to engage in combat. The intent is basically, if we let you out and get into a war, we need a way to call you back to help with that without instituting the draft. So this is essentially circumventing the draft. Continuing on, this poses a serious question. Why? Why are they doing this? There is some possibility that this is being done to stop the articles about military recruitment. That seems unlikely. If that's not the reason, then the implication is that the White House thinks we're about to engage in a kinetic war and they need personnel on hand to fight it. That poses the obvious question of where, and there are no good answers to that. We aren't likely going to war with South Africa over the white farmer genocide. So once we rule those things out, we get to China, Russia, or both. Being as they are both nuclear powers, this clearly violates mutually assured destruction rules of the past that say we just don't go to kinetic war with people who have nukes. This is why 
MIL Twitter, I assume that means military Twitter, is posting this EO everywhere. The implications are pretty large and none of the options look good to us. It says, uh, he posts a screenshot, United States code, I hereby determine that it is necessary to augment the active armed forces of the United States for the effective conduct of Operation Atlantic Resolve in and around the United States European Command's area of responsibility in furtherance of this operation under, that's where it cuts off, so... Um, anyways, the reason I wanted to bring that to your attention is because uh, it sent a chill down my spine. I was, <laughs> I hadn't heard about it. It was an executive order that was recently uh, filed, and it, it the implication is clear. And I think that his assessment was dead on. So I don't have much to add to it other than uh, if if they are preparing for any sort of or or even preparing for the potential of a hot conflict with either Russia or China, well then we're fucked. So let's hope that's wrong. Because <laughs> I don't think you walk away from that one, guys. I really don't. Unless Owen Benjamin's right, nuclear weapons aren't real. In which case, we'll be all right. Um, <laughs> but I'm not so confident that they're not real. So uh, I'm really, really praying that that's... Uh, I don't know. I, I can't come up with really any benign explanations. I, let's let's hope that it was just the fact that their their rec recruiting numbers are, are so bad that they are trying to use that to just cover up the fact that they can't recruit anybody to enlist in the military, uh, which, by the way, is a really hopeful sign. I'm, I'm really grateful that so many people have seen the light when it comes to the U.S. military. And, the, I mean, obviously, the, the woke version of the military is relatively modern. And I'm sure that dissuades some, you know, red-blooded heteros out there from wanting to, to enlist. But uh, I think that there's there's a lot of... A lot of more moral reasons, uh, including not wanting to go to a bunch of, bunch of unconstitutional, undeclared wars in God knows how many countries over the past 30 years. Um, so I hope that people are, are starting to wake up and that's why they're not enlisting because our government's corrupt and the wars that we've propagated on the world have been absolutely evil. Uh, but the, the reason for concern is quite evident. If that is their intention, well, I don't, I don't know what to do. Uh, other than continue to give speeches in front of the White House like I did in January in D.C., it's uh, it's just it's just not something that we can allow for, and I and I hope that people will refuse to fight on both sides, honestly, because I don't think that the Russians or the Chinese or the Americans uh, want to fight each other. I really don't. I don't get that. Like I don't know about you guys. Maybe I'm wrong here. You comment below. Tell me if I'm wrong. But I don't get the. I don't. I don't think. I mean, I can't, obviously I can't speak really well to the morale of the. Russian or the Chinese people, but uh, I think I have a, a fairly good, you know, feel for the vibe of the Americans, and I just don't see any motivation or catalyst or fire or desire to have a hot war with Russians. Like the people that really are supporting the the war in Ukraine, like the Krasensteins, for for instance, we during our debate, they were asked about it, and both of them said, like, or no, actually, one of them said, uh, you know, he would hit his knee really hard so he didn't have to go i, I just said flatly i wouldn't fight and I'd, I'd go the muhammad ali route and let them put me in prison no russia ever called me the bad word uh <laughs> you just put me in prison i don't give a shit i'm not going to fight russia russians not doing it or the chinese i'm not fighting for this government i'm not doing it no um but then the other one said that he would enlist but you know he's 41 and he hopes it doesn't happen i was like oh my god no, you wouldn't. <laughs> you wouldn't go fight in fucking Russia, dude. You're so you're so full of shit. So, anyways, my point being, the people that are are in support of these wars, they don't want to see it go hot. They don't want to see a real conflict. You got like Lindsey Graham, who's you know 
flexing his dick out there, but he he ain't gonna fight. None of these people want to fight. The, our military doesn't want to fight. The guy that posted that thread, he's former military. They know they don't want this. It's insane. It's a suicide mission. Uh, on, for both sides, it's a suicide mission. So no one wants this. So let's just hope that cooler cooler heads prevail and ultimately this corrupt institution uh, crumbles and collapses before it takes us all with it. Well, that's a cheery way to end the show, huh? Uh, I did want to make one quick comment on the uh, the commercial real estate market. I am, needless to say, uh, disturbed. <laughs> but the uh, Morgan Stanley came out last week and they said that they think that values could crash 40% when all is said and done. Uh, the reason that this is notable, I mean, granted, most of you probably don't own commercial real estate. And at this point in time, probably good. Good for you. Uh, but the just to kind of encapsulate the reason that it's so problematic or troublesome, I hate saying problematic, uh, is that, well, first off, it's a, it's a man-made crisis. The, the boom-bust cycle was created by the inflation, uh, or excuse me, from the Federal Reserve, setting interest rates too low for too long and then printing so much. And that's the only reason that the market hasn't completely imploded already is because everyone's looking for inflation hedges. So they're saying, well, real estate has historically been a good inflation hedge. So let's sit on that. The problem is that simultaneously the government did lockdowns and the lockdowns were devastating to retail businesses, which are in commercial real estate. Many of those businesses went out of business and are gone. And now you also have leftist prosecutors. Uh, I don't even know if I like calling them leftists, but basically prosecutors that don't prosecute property crimes in major cities, which are making it so that it's untenable for businesses like any business to function within these big cities. So they're leaving, as you've seen, the exodus from San Francisco has been massive and there's no one to take their place. So you just have vacancies that will never be filled. And on top of the fact that there's no prosecution for property crimes, so the shoplifting is rampant, you also have a homeless encampments outside your business, which makes uh, you know foot traffic from actual paying customers a real challenge. So why the fuck would you put your business in that area? The answer is you wouldn't. So they aren't. So they sit vacant. And what does that mean? Well, first off it means the prices come down because no one wants to own them. Cause you can't, if you don't have a tenant in a commercial real estate uh, property, you ain't making any money and all you're doing is paying on the debt. That ain't a good investment. So you're going to let it go. And eventually that, that price will find its equilibrium where the rental rate gets low enough that it'll ultimately become profitable again. But that price, as they said, could be 40% or more lower than it is today. Big concern. So because there's still too little supply and still a significant amount of demand for single families, dependent on markets, of course, I think that you will not see as big of a correction in the, in the single family real estate market as I've been saying for the past year now. Um, just the inflationary pressure has made it so that there's just people just don't want to sell because then they end up going and renting and paying through the fucking nose. Ultimately, rent rates in places like California, New York are still astronomically high, but with interest rates having risen as much as they have, the cost to own is also extraordinarily high. And what does that mean? Ultimately, people will see that as a bad investment and they will start to put their money elsewhere, which will bring prices down, put inventory on the market, which will create additional pressure on it to put prices even further down. So I think you will see some decline, particularly in the poorly ran states, 
The red states, I ain't so sure. I think that they could be holding flat here for quite some time as long as the inflationary pressure is there because contrary to the Biden administration, which consistently says, oh, we've had, you know, uh, a decrease in the inflation rate for the past nine months straight. We're fucking kicking ass. What they don't tell you is that's a decrease in the inflation rate. It ain't deflation. It's a decrease in the inflation rate. So that means that your money is still losing value, just not as much value as it was the month before that. Ooh, what a victory, right? So <laughs> instead of losing 10% of your purchasing power annually, now you're losing six. Fucking hooray. But thanks to the compounding nature of interest rates, that means that over time you are losing a whole hell of a lot of value. And what does that mean? Well, you want to have an inflation hedge and many people are looking at single family properties and the fact that there's too little building uh, that's happening. And they're saying, well, I'm just going to stay here. Anyways, long story short, single family, not so concerning, commercial real estate, fucking crazily concerning, super concerning. And this is the reason I wanted to, to explain it to you is that the, the last, uh, the great recession of 0809, what happened there was that single families were really the, the thing that brought everything down at that go, at that go around that boom bust cycle. <laughs> that was the catalyst there. Um, now there was a lot of reasons for it. You had Arson Young and, and uh, Moody's and S&P and all these other rating agencies that were just lying and packaging a bunch of fucking just garbage tranches of mortgages uh, with AAA securities ratings so they would get pensions to go and acquire the debt and blah, blah, blah. I don't need to recap all of it, but that, that's that's what happened last time. And, and once everybody realized that, oh, we're just sitting on a bunch of toxic assets, well, then everybody dumped to everybody, derivatives markets exploded, and then the whole fucking shit just went to hell. The reason that this is concerning is that even if single families don't go bust, uh, just the just the debt that is or the paper, that's what it's called in banking terms, the paper that's being held by the lending institutions, the banks on commercial real estate alone, very high uh, leverage at this point because like people aren't aren't able to refi. Um, well, actually, I shouldn't say that there's high leverage. Obviously, some people have high leverage and some people don't. Uh, it depends on when you purchased it. But if you purchased it over the past three years, yeah, you're sitting on a very, very high leverage uh, asset because you probably put 10% down. So you you only had, uh, you took a loan for 90% of the purchase price. The purchase price was astronomical because of the inflationary pressure. You thought that you were going to get an inflation hedge. Turns out you can't get a tenant. Now you have to dump it, blah, blah, blah. You end up walking away because you're upside down. Bank ends up taking the property back. They can't sell it for what they're owed. They have to take a write down. That write down creates a cascading effect, which ultimately makes you much more hesitant to lend into this existing market because you're dealing with losses on the back end so that you have to try and buoy your, your balance sheet. So you're saying, I can't risk putting out capital because we don't know how many losses or how much dollar amount losses we're going to be taking on this commercial real estate portfolio. That means that you start to withdraw liquidity from the market. And when liquidity is withdrawn from the market, it's the exact same thing that happened to 0809. It's the first domino. You know, I've been talking about dominoes and been waiting to see which one is going to be the one that goes. Well, for the longest time, I thought it was going to be single families because of the lockdowns and every being, uh, everyone being put out of work and all this insanity didn't end up being that way because they ended up printing fucking so many trillions of dollars and people got unemployment insurance and eventually they got back to work, blah, blah, blah. Uh, this one is, I don't think you can, I don't think you can patch it. I don't know how you're going to patch it. I mean, unless they go the bailout route, I guess they could kick the can if they find some way to bail out the banks. 
again. Um, they have already put that lending institution uh, or lending facility they, they came out with when you had all of those those bank implosions in uh, early 23, just like six months ago. Um, so maybe that'll be used to take also those toxic assets from the commercial real estate market and off the bank's balance sheets uh, to buy them more time and give them liquidity so that this doesn't create another crisis. But basically what I'm saying is they're just continuing to put pressure on the system. And, and if you apply enough pressure to a system, ultimately you, you come up against this, this divergent path. You have these two paths in front of you. It's like, do we deal with the issues, the root causes, which would ultimately be deflationary, or do we continue to paper and print our way through this? Like, I, obviously I value this one. I wanna get back to a real market. The banking institutions and the government, because it's politically more tenable for them, prefer the inflationary route. And I tend to believe that's what they're going to they're going to choose. They're going to opt for. Um, we'll see. But I just thought it would be informative and instructive for you guys to understand my perspective on it. Why why I'm concerned about the commercial real estate market? Just because you don't own commercial real estate doesn't mean this doesn't matter to you. Okay, that's really the the lesson here. Um, and God knows, man. God knows how it plays out. Uh, unfortunately, I can't give hard and fast predictions because I just simply don't know how the government will respond, which is not a good thing, which is why I ultimately got out of the money management game because I realized that. I said, oh, I can't, I can't actually make any hard and fast analyses because I don't have any clue how the government will, will respond in times of crisis. Like, how do you short something when you don't know or when you suspect it's even probable that the government's going to intervene and give trillions of dollars to this asset class to make your short position worthless? Well, then you don't short it. And what does that do? It creates a bubble. And then that bubble ultimately will bust, but we don't know when. I just said a hell of a lot and it probably confused the shit out of most of you. But for those that understood, uh, great. Um, and for those that have questions, feel free to DM me. I'm at Liberty Lockpot on Twitter. You can drop a comment down below. Uh, I, I have missed you guys. I'm sorry I took a week off. I just, sometimes you just don't have the fucking gusto for it, you know? And I had been going pretty hard for a while and traveling. God, I traveled so much uh, for the first six months of this year. Um, I still very much love doing this. So don't, don't get it twisted. I was just kind of like down for a week. It's just like all the news was just like draining me. So I kind of tuned out for a little while and um, I'm feeling good though. I'm feeling, I'm feeling back at it. I hope you guys enjoyed it. And as I said, the episode with myself and Dave Smith and Josie, the Redhead Libertarian and the Krasenstein brothers, that debate will be dropping on my RSS feed tonight, right after this one. I hope you guys will all go over and subscribe. If you want to subscribe, you can go and subscribe over at Fountain if you want to. And if you want to subscribe anywhere else, just please do. Um, it's a great debate. I think you guys are going to enjoy the hell of it. Dave gets really fucking aggro with them a couple times and I, <laughs> I enjoyed the hell out of it i still it's still kind of surreal you know as well as i know dave at this point it's still kind of surreal that i'm just like yeah of course i'm debating the krasenstein brothers with their millions of followers and dave smith who's like my fucking hero um yeah of course of course that's my life of course that's what i'm doing makes perfect sense right um but at the same time like my my level of comfort has increased so much that i don't feel out of place anymore i feel totally at ease fascinating i don't know if this is interesting to you guys at all um so i apologize if it's not but i'm just kind of explaining my evolution in this process and feeling you know like the first three times i was on timcast i felt so impossibly nervous and then the last three times i've been on i'm just like i'm supposed to be here that's a good feeling 
I hope you guys feel that way in your career paths. I never thought this would be my career path, but you know, just, it just, I, I, for some reason I never felt like I could get to this point of feeling like, yeah, I'm going to be comfortable, you know, engaging on a regular basis with my heroes and I'm not going to feel out of place. Like, how does that, how does that happen? And then it does. And you're just like, oh, this is cool. Nifty. Anyways, I really support, or I really appreciate you guys, and I appreciate the support that you give my show. If you've missed me and you want to show me the love, go to libertylockdown.locals.com and sign up to become a supporting member of the show. And uh, last but not least, make sure you leave five-star reviews over on you know, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever else, and I will read them on the show. Love you guys. We're out of here. Peace. Welcome to Liberty Lockdown. Please scan your barcode. Your liberty ain't gone, but yeah, it's on hold. Where did it come from and where did it go?